Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Reese and alongside my good friends Kyle and Armando, we have another baseball episode to talk about. It's been a wild first few weeks of the season. The Royals have done good. The Royals have done bad. The Royals have done not so good. The Royals have done not so bad. But first, before we get into all of that talk, guys, it's been a long, great week since we last saw each other. How are you guys doing? Is it program or podcast? Oh my gosh! (laughs) You said podcast, but I still say program. I know it's different than what we were talking about, but still... (laughs) It's we need different. to get this we need to get this notarized. We're just going to like sit in front of a notary and be like, "Okay, this word followed by this word, no more participles, no adjectives." Well, we, just, we just copy and paste it and put it on the next Google Doc. I guess we can do that too, but oh well. We could. Here's the thing, Armando. You were already Oh my god, here we go. Do it. Uh, no, do I it. Can't. Go for it, Kyle. I... No. Just do it. Here's the thing, buddy. You're going to be a great dad whenever you become a dad. Why? And there's lots of things there there's lots of things in your life to tell me that. Number 1, you're very loyal. Uh you're very dependable. You've got a kick-ass truck so you can help them move into college one day. Yeah, if it's going to be like 500,000 miles by the time I have a kid and then <laughs> they're in college, but continue. Yeah, I, I mean by that point you're going to be able to strip everything there out and make go. it all yeah, electric, you know. Yeah. The Hummer E uh, the Hummer E came but out. But one thing anyway, keep going. One thing, yeah. One thing that makes you uniquely prepared to be a father is the fact that you call a thing a program. <laughs> what? That is a program. It, it just hilarious. It just, to it just me. sounds good. A program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. In fact, I people think people who call TV shows programs are definitely dead. <laughs> well, also, I I have to go back to our original one, but I'm almost positive restarted program. Yeah, I restarted think he did. and then yeah, I kept going it with sounds it. Right. And now yeah. Reese is a new man in 2021 podcast. Well, I mean, a lot changes a man over the span of a <laughs> pandemic. You know, it's never well, happened. That's, that's hey, a whole I, different I got, episode. I got a dad question for you. Here's a dad barometer. What do you call the third meal of the day typically eaten between the hours of 5 and 7 p.m.? Dinner, but I know you want to say supper. I was curious if you're going to say no. supper. Oh, he's not that much of a dad. No. Yet. He's dad adjacent. Supper is right. supper's like 1960s. Like America. Uh, I'm pretty sure yeah. my dad still calls it supper. So's program, honestly. Program? Okay, I'll, we'll make a deal. If PBS picks us up one day, we will for sure be a program brought to you by Public oh, Broadcast. Oh, uh, totally. Yes, okay, absolutely. Deal. Okay, deal. 100% Shout out program. PBS. Nova, Nature, <laughs> Cosmos, absolutely. Programs. If this, if this American Life picks us up as a subsidiary, then we're a podcast. We are We are way too fire for this American Life. I'm sorry. We're, we're way too fire. <laughs> No, I love this American Life. I listen to them all the time. That's a great program. (laughs) Dad Kyle. All right. Well, speaking of dads, I have a proud papa moment this week I'd like to share. And it's pertinent to do with beer. I would save this for the This Week in Craft Beer History, but I want to share it right now. Uh, Noelle had her first ever hazy IPA courtesy of a buckwheat hazy, which I forget what the brand is. It's from... 
It's from Holla Daily in uh, here in uh, Golden, Colorado. Thank in you. In fact, they have they have a brewery, I believe, here in the Springs because I actually met the guy from Holla Daily who used to be the manager at Oscar Blues here, and then now he works over there. But yeah, they're like the only gluten free brewery in America or something. And yeah, I guess it's good. I've I've never tried it, so it was great. I'm not gonna lie, I I tried a sip of it just to kind of you know get a taste test for it. I have had far worse gluten-free beers than that. Uh, had you told me that was Space Camper, if it weren't for the mouthfeel of the beer, I probably would have believed you. Wow. Yeah. That's bold. That is that is a hot take. The hottest take Reese has ever made. Oh, my goodness. I mean, and that's not a disrespect to Space Camper. It's just saying how good this beer was. Like This yeah. tasted like a hazy IPA. The mouthfeel was just much more uh, roll off the tongue quicker than a, a hazy normally yeah. is. So... I mean, if you're Jonesing and you're you got celiac, man, hit him up, hit him up. Well, I I got I got my second vaccine on Friday, um, so I'm super stoked to slowly integrate myself into life again. Um, for those of you that know, I did have COVID, so I do have those antibodies plus the vaccine. And after the first vaccine, you are 85% effective for the vaccine that I took. Um, all to say, I just got my gym membership today. Nice. My God. Super weird. But again, prefacing with, I'm still being very cautious and my, and I didn't do any ab workouts today, but my stomach hurts so much afterward and not just like like gastrointestinal but like crampy it was it was strange but i was like i'm back i feel alive (laughs) which gym did you join vasa vasa fitness do you guys have that over there no it's like vasa's like a knockoff planet fitness but they have really nice things nice and it's ten dollars every month but then they have this crazy like entrance fee and i was like of course of course you would have a 70 dollar fee for the ten dollar level well, I mean, I thought Vasa was one of the Seven Sisters colleges. Oh, uh, that's Vassar. That's funny. That's, that's funny. <laughs> that's that's a good. That kind of went over Thank my head, that. but I knew you were talking about yeah. Vassar. Yeah, Ar- Armando took it literally, yeah. but that's that's that's, <laughs> that's good. That's the joke. Uh, check check this out. I still have my Anytime Fitness uh, key fob <laughs> because I had just paid for six months up front in. February. Oh no. Of 2020. And they didn't give you a refund? Uh no because I I'd already paid for wow. it. Planet Planet Fitness gave me a refund. Now, to be clear, I paid for it with the uh development fund of the Houston Grand Opera, so thank you HGO. <laughs> uh and I thought you were going to say uh, Dogecoin or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I I I am also a uh, a holder of Dogecoin these days. Not very much, but I have some. Uh, and technically, because I bought it in 2021, I have not yet dis- uh, I have not yet disclosed it on my taxes, uh, so I didn't have to be like embarrassed by the accountants when they're like, "Why is this guy buying Dogecoin?" <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, my week's been good. I also got vaccinated. Um, it was honestly an amazing experience. I got vaccinated in Bakersfield, California. I'm out here for work and everybody else in the cast that I'll be working with has already been vaccinated. And so I wanted to kind of join the ranks and basically they opened up because they had like 2,500 extra doses a day for like a week straight. Wow. And so they opened, they opened this vast facility up to walk-ins and it was amazing. I was in line with hundreds of people waiting to get, and it it was the most crazy, like 
cross-cultural moment of joy I've ever experienced. Because any other situation, any other situation, like a rock concert, college basketball game, uh, like a cruise, I don't know, like an airport, you know, uh, sporting KC game, you're going to get a very specific group of people in line. This was everybody from everywhere in line to get this thing. And like, it was amazing, dude. I, I, it, and, and because most everybody else that I know got vaccinated at like a Walgreens. And so like, and, and you know, it was this huge place that looked like, uh, you know, it was in this massive gym with hundreds of, of stations to actually get the shot. It was amazing. Sorry. I'm kind of going on. My, and on about my it, uh, grandma lives in Los Angeles and she got vaccinated at Dodger stadium, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so totally. Sweet. They were doing them there too. I know Airhead was doing them here, but I didn't get a chance to go down because I was already vaxxed up by then. Noise, so, noise. Well, speaking of things that you are free to do, uh, I am happy to announce that this Sunday, airing next Thursday, we are doing an interview with Jordan Williams Brewer from Free State Brewery in Lawrence, Kansas, which we are so excited to talk to him about because we love Free State, we love Lawrence, and we love the chance that we get to talk to Jordan. So... I'm looking forward to interviewing uh, interviewing Mr. Williams. I'm pretty excited. I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, keep up on all this information, including interviews and exclusive content, by checking out our website at FountainCitySportsMedia.com. Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff, Fountain City SM. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page at Patreon.com backslash FCSM. We're almost at 100 followers on Instagram, so tell your mom, tell your grandma, tell your lawyers, follow us. Tell Paul Rudd. See if Paul Rudd will follow us. I don't know. Who has multiple lawyers? Who do you know? (laughs) Uh, No comment. Also, we have a connection to Paul. We actually have a connection to Paul Rudd. You know that? Hey, you went to KU. Vincent Cole, who is is our teacher at some point, um, is very good friends with Paul Rudd's uh, mother. Really? Yeah, they're actually super close. Can, can anyone confirm or deny if Vincent went to the keg party at Paul Rudd's mom's house after he made the no, World but, Series? But, but Paul Rudd's mom told Vincent about it and she actually had people show up to her house because Paul Rudd said that on and like people started showing up. She's like, what's going on? Like, you didn't hear what, what Paul said on, uh, on a TV? And she like didn't know and she actually had people over that day oh my god exclusive content here fan city sports media breaking news well speaking of the kansas city royals and the team we love uh it's not looking like 2014 just yet however the season has been much more palatable to this point than it has been since that 2014 core left the team so far it hasn't been too bad as of the airing of this podcast or we are four and four Fourth in the AL Central. On just our way to five and four as we speak. We're winning? Yeah, we're winning. Yeah, and we're actually playing great. Oh, man. See, this is why I need like a multiple monitor set up, you know, like uh, like they have in the, the booths on TV. Danny but, Duffy so, had 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 one earned run, but eight hits. One run, eight hits. But, I mean, it's great. It's great because he, he only allowed one run. He's playing fantastic. Six You guys strikeouts. will recall I was on Duffy Island preseason. Duffy Island, population one. Were Let's you? Go. Yeah. Were you? I sure was. We're going to have to check those receipts. We're going to have to check those receipts. Jeez. We need to get like a tax attorney for all the receipts. I love Duffy. <laughs> you, you were saying that he was like washed and I was like, nah, 
Yeah, no, I I I have to apologize to Kyle and everyone on the podcast, but we we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. But yes, sorry, Danny Duffy, you're playing. Anyway, at this point, we have technically not lost a series yet. Uh, we went two and one against the Rangers and split one and one with the Indians and the White Sox. Now, just to put that into perspective, it's like, oh, who cares? You're eight games into the season; it's been like two weeks. Uh, just some food for thought. In 2018, we didn't win a series until May 23rd, two full months into the season. And we all know how that 2018 team turned out. That's wild. And in 2019, we won the opening two games of the year to win the, uh, win the series against the White Sox. But then we subsequently dropped 10 straight games after that. So, guys... What have been some of the season highlights and little glimmering spots of optimism for this team that make us believe we can still contend for a wild card down the road? Okay, so some standouts from this year are the following. The first game. I mean, who who would have thought that, that we would have shellacked the Texas Rangers. I mean, Texas wasn't great, but for us to have a dominant offensive performance is unusual for us. So that kind of set the precedence as to what could happen this year, which is fantastic. Um, and then, of course, during that, Michael A. Taylor had the best opening day debut in Royals history. And Michael A. Taylor, I think, is my number one highlight of these first few games. He is 16th best slugging percentage in the AL with, with five 67. He's second on the team in hits, RBIs, and home runs. And we've also seen him make some great defensive assists. So I think he is the biggest standout for me. Of course, that first game was great. And then us pulling pulling one from the White Sox. I mean, if if we would have gone 0-2 in the White Sox, I still would have been so proud of this team because I'm not expecting us to win this division, but for us to take one from the White Sox was huge, huge. And then if we take one today from the Angels, that'll be great as well because they are also in this like wild card purgatory where we have to at least tie with the Angels and these people in the wild card. Um, so those are kind of the stance. I have some other ones too, but Kyle, why don't you go and I'll try them out later. No, that's really good. And I think it's worth calling back, especially with the Michael A. Taylor point, Kyle Isbell and, and Michael A. Taylor were right next to each other in the opening day lineup. And so I think we even touched on that in live cast where, you know, they both had such excellent day ones that it was kind of hard. Like, you know, it's neither of them got to be the star because they both had a great debut. So I think that's uh, that's pretty special. Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously the fact that we can get down by a bunch of runs on maybe a less than stellar start from one of these, you know, okay, we had talked about starting pitching being a concern. And so the fact that we can get down and then still score and stay in games is awesome. I think Jacob Junis has been, I mean, we touched on that too. That's been an awesome um, realization to see that he can still produce. And uh, yeah, I mean, (laughs) we're still the victim of of a very small sample size. But, uh, you know, I'll take 500 after eight games. That's pretty good. And the fact that we maybe even should have won a couple more. So, yeah, I'll Well, take you it. know what? That's what tonight is all about. It's the way too early season reaction, small sample size extravaganza. So, first off, driving me bats. We scored 25 runs in our opening two games. That's incredible. We had 14, no, 15-14 in the opening game. I forget. It's been so many. <laughs> Subsequently, though... We've had a combined 15 in the following six contests. 
Now, a lot of people are pointing to the meat of this order, the three, four, five guys. We got Salvi after last night. Okay, he's up to 290 after a four for four performance where he hit number really 1,000, which is incredible. It's just, it really is in this day and age. It's incredible. But coming up behind him, Carlos Santana is hitting a paltry 167 at 30 at-bats. He's got five hits on the season, six walks and eight strikeouts. Jorge Soler, 148 through 27 at-bats, four hits, five walks, 15 strikeouts. 15 strikeouts after 27 at-bats. Guys, Yikes. how worried are we about the heart of this order? Absolutely not worried at all, Reese. Come on. You you guys know what my answer to these questions are going to be. We've been doing this podcast for a year. You're just lobbing the softballs at me just waiting for me to tee off. Here's the thing. Solaire is a power hitter. He's going to go through droughts. That's fine. Uh, we even saw uh, in this... I guess the last game against the White Sox, moving Salvi around in that lineup to try to um, stir up some some production. I think that's great. Uh, Carlos Santana is an incredible situational hitter. So the fact that he's that maybe the numbers aren't uh, reflecting what what we might want them to yet, I think that's totally fine. So it's sound and fury. We're four and four as the Royals. We were ranked like 25th by MLB.com or something. I mean, it was crazy. So we're good. Okay, to kind of harp on what Kyle said, and then I'm going to have another take there. You're right. Having Salvi now at the three, and today he is uh, two for three, and now his batting average is uh, 324. Having him at three is great. Is having a, And like Kyle had said in the, uh, I forgot what podcast you had said it, but you said Carlos Santana's patience is what is really going to make him a great part of this team. So it's good to have him at four because if, uh, say, we do have a quick one, two, three, then Santana opens up that second inning. It, it, it is good to have him there because he, you're right. He is so situational. He is so patient. Um, now for Solaire, I'm going to disagree with you there. Yes, he is a heavy hitter, so of course he's going to swing at everything. But it's it's not okay that he is he is batting. Right now he is 0 for 2, um, and his average for the whole year is 138. That's not great. That's not great for someone that I had predicted was going to be the home run king. Okay? Solaire, where are you? Not only it's Solaire, for but me, Hot Take Mondo. predicted 15 less home <laughs> runs than you did. That's true. All right, fine. Okay. Oracle of 39th Street is back, ladies and gentlemen. He is he is back, and he is in fine form. But do you know who's not in fine form and who I was saying I'm keeping an eye on you as well? Andrew Benintendi. We paid you how much money and what's going on, Andrew Benintendi? I'm sorry. You're at a 206 uh, batting average right now. And I'm pretty sure, actually, I, I, I did look this up. Kyle Isbell and Nikki Lopez have had more hits than Andrew Benintendi this year. And that's fine Raise your if hand we if didn't you call pay that. you. If, I, don't, I did not call that. Um, <laughs> are you saying you called that? Hell no. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So exactly. So so now I have two people on my watch list, ladies and gentlemen. Andrew Benintendi has always been there, but Jorge Soler, I am getting concerned now. And what's great is we have people at the end of the order to help us out, like Michael A. Taylor 
Taylor. Um, Nikki Lopez playing well. Kyle Isbell's playing well. Actually, Jared Dyson's playing today. Draw Dyson, sorry, is playing today, which is great. Um, we'll see. And, and I want to throw this out there too, Reese, and then I'll end it for me. Um, we have to see what's going to happen with Hunter Dozier because Hunter Dozier has been battling an injury and he actually might go on the uh, on the DL list. And if he does, not having Dozier, not having Mondesi has been affecting this team so far. So I'm going to give them a little bit of slack because Dozier's not playing very well well because of the injury and because Mondesi is not there. So once everyone's back, then I'll have a full analysis as to what this is. But in conclusion, I'm worried about Solaire and Benintendi. Well, I'm glad you kind of brought this up because that brings me to my next question for you guys. So you don't seem to be too Jimmy Russell about three, four, five. But how much of the offensive woes are on those three players? I know, Armando, you were saying that you're worried more about Ben Benintendi not showing up. It's a very good point that I believe Hunter Dozier is still chasing his first hit on the season, albeit he's been injured. Wow. Uh, you know, there's some other guys that haven't really been in the lineup either yet. You know, we're still waiting to see at Alberto Mondesi. So I think there's something to say about not having our guys out there in the order we want. We're kind of Chiefs offensive lining this. But my question to you guys, how much of the offensive struggles right now are on the 3-4-5? I'll, I'll just touch base really quick and kind of what, what, what I was saying. I wouldn't say it's necessarily 3-4-5. I think it's a bigger issue not having Dozier healthy and not having Mondesi there to really round out what this is. And us trying to, you know, draw Dyson, Kyle Isbell, kind of putting these guys in to try to make it work. I think once we have everybody there, then I'll really be analytical about our woes. Two things. Number one, sidebar. Did y'all see that we picked up Irvin Santana from uh, the Royals alternate site? Did Great. we really? Great. I hope we get to see him soon. I want to get him on the podcast. I love that guy. Uh, but to actually answer your question, I really am much less, well, and I, I don't know, maybe this is a classic diversion. Maybe I shouldn't even say this, but I'm so much less concerned about the heart of the order than I am about Brad Keller. That that's a diversion. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, yeah, Armando, didn't you say you were like the the Arizona State debate champ? What's that called? Is that a, a false uh, uh, false qualitative or something when like you that? Change when you change the subject to something. Oh, uh, yeah, a false equivocation, I guess. Yeah, or or false or, equals. Yeah. Or it's a totally straw that. man or an ad hominem or a <laughs> but, habeas corpus. But again, again, that 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 is important, but that's a whole different can of worms, which I'm sure we're going to talk about later. It's fine. <laughs> well, but one thing I'm guilty of is that if I don't think something's an issue, I'm like, nah, I don't care about it. <laughs> All right. Armando, your rebuttal. How worried are you about the three, four, five in the order, and how much does it have well, to do with Ben Intendi and not having our guys in the place? You just answer no, that I just, question. I just answer it. But I'm, Reese, what's but, your answer? What's yeah, your Reese, answer about the heart you, of the dude? order, yeah. host Reese? Fine. All right. So my Come answer on, to that is, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that the order we have right now, you know, it's like I think Perez, Santana, and Soleil are going to be batting three, four, five in some way, shape, or form. So the fact that they're having trouble in the spots they should be in, it's very like when we had uh, Mitch Schwartz and Fisher that were playing kind of dinged up, and we're like, uh-oh, they're in their spots, and those spots aren't looking too good right now. But I do think there is a lot to be said by the fact that we got guys out there we weren't planning on having at the beginning of the year, and the fact that we don't necessarily have the lineup going that we wanted to have. So, I mean, I hate to be cliche, but it's like this isn't even our final form. Yeah, no, totally fair. You're right. We're not at our final form, and like I said, we'll see what 
when everyone's healthy, what it's going to look like, how that's going to change chemistry, how people are going to get on on base. And that's really going to change the dynamics. Now, I'm going to pull a Kyle and go back. I'm going to go off script, Reese. So take it out if you want. But I think it is important. Oh, geez. What is our panic meter on Keller and Singer? I'm purposefully pulling the plug on that right here because it took all of my strength not to put that in the podcast. Mainly because we haven't even why wouldn't you? We haven't even gotten through the rotation a full two times yet. That's totally different than having thirty at bats. But it's important. This everyone's is the talking way too about early it. Everyone, everyone's preview. talking about called. it. Okay, fine. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of Found City Sports Media, I hope you're buckled up and ready for like an hour and twenty minute podcast. I slaved over a hot cup of coffee to keep this thing condensed. But you know what? It's too late. The door's open. I am seriously concerned about Brad Keller. In two starts. Go. That, There's the Reese I wanted. In two starts, Brad Keller has an ERA that's chasing 15. 15. I am not thrilled about that. Similarly, Brady Singer <laughs> seems to have taken steps back. I'm not happy about that. What do you boys think about the guys throwing the balls from the pitching mound? <laughs> Kyle, go ahead. Here's the thing. We're sitting at 26 minutes and 12 seconds and counting right now. We can totally get this thing under the 45-minute bar. Let's go. Brad Keller has not been good in his first two games. And it's not just a few bad innings here and there. It's consistently leadoff walks, allowing lots of hits, high pitch counts, both games. And so that's enough of a sample size to show that, okay, there's an issue there. It's not necessarily like, you know, some mechanical issue that he's going to have to go back to triple A ball to fix, but it is, it is a comfort issue. He's not able to hit the strike zone consistently. And, you know, it's, it's too bad because he's so experienced, even though he is still a young guy. And so the fact that we saw two games like that is concerning. Singer, not so concerned about he's younger. Had some experience last season, but this is first full season. I think he'll probably be fine. I actually think Keller will be fine, too, and it's just what baseball is. It's just fun to get excited about. Armando? (laughs) I don't really have anything nuanced to say, but our best pitchers should not be Mike Miner and should not be Danny Duffy when you have Singer and Keller. And we had talked about this in the... In, in the pre-talk, in the pre-Royals like season opener, we had said, you know, this is going to be a standout year for Singer. You know, Keller is going to be a great playoff pitcher. We're, we're going to rely on this guy. And now he gets shellacked by the Rangers. Are you kidding me? 19.29 ERA, giving up 10. Both Singer and Keller have given up 10 runs each in two games. That is not Okay, and that is very concerning. Yes, to Kyle's point, Singer is young. So this is actually Singer's first time pitching in front of a live, a live uh, fans, right? Because last year he wasn't able to. So this is very new for Singer. This is almost like his first year. I mean, yeah, he had a year last year, but I mean, like to have the real MLB experience, this is year one. So yes, I'm giving him a break. But Keller, I'm I'm really disappointed, man. Fifteen hits, ten runs, two home runs. I mean, come on. It's not good, and I uh, panic meter for me, I'm at a seven right now. Okay, well, that leads me into the question I thought about asking, which now I'm going to ask. 
So <laughs> what are you guys more concerned about in this point? Or what do you think is more likely to happen? Guys like Junis and Duffy who are pitching out of their minds to regress back to the mean or for guys like Keller and Singer to get it back together and start pitching back up to their potential? That's a great question. I think uh, I'm always one to say that experience wins. Uh, I think that, you know, Duffy is probably not going to be fooling guys as much as he has been so far early in the season, simply because that's, you know, baseball tends to regress to the mean. Although we do see ridiculous seasons from surprising sources sometimes. But I think that I think that the latter thing that you said, I forget which order you said it, but I think it's I think it's much more likely that all four of these guys return to the middle. Um, that's why I'm excited. We might get to see Irvin Santana. And it's great that like Junis is pitching well. Awesome. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm really crossing my fingers that uh, Junis and Duffy stay the way that they are, but it is way more likely that singer gets very comfortable in what he's doing. Um, I, I had also heard on another podcast or doing some other research that uh, Keller might also be fighting an injury possibly um, and that's something to consider as well so I think it's more likely that Keller and Singer are going to re- are going to regress positively I don't know if I can is that a proper sentence regress positively I think, can it's, you a, say I think that? it's a con- an oxymoron isn't it <laughs> progress you can just say progress okay Okay, both of them are going to a progress, um, and I think that is more likely. But man, if we can get Junis in the starting lineup and have him be a solidified person, and even just having Mike Miner going back to the regression is still a very good average pitcher, which is fine, which is fine. But if we can get Junis in there, then that is really going to propel us this year into playoff contention. Even though we're talking about 2021, 2022, if we can get Junis in there, honestly, we might be talking about playoffs twenty. I think the thing that concerns me a little bit is I, geez, you know me. I'm going to look at this glass half empty, and I'm probably going to bet against the 32 year old with Tommy John surgery coming back down to earth. Now, I hope that's not the case. And I'm not saying that Danny Duffy has to have a Cy Young year, but man, if Duffy can keep his ERA in the mid to high threes. I tell you what, that is like best case scenario what I wanted out of Danny Duffy this year. Because truth be told, I think. Barring it being like, guess what, guys? Keller needs Tommy John surgery. Or guess what? You know, he's, he's battling with, like, uh, the thoracic outlet syndrome. You know, in that case, it's like, okay, he's not going to come back, obviously. But I like the odds of Keller getting back to, back into form and Brady Singer finding his rookie season form as well. So in a 2-1 to one victory, I'm going to give the odds to Keller and Singer progressing back to form. Fair. Reese, if you can rip it up on the disc golf course after your ACL surgery at 18, Danny Duffy can pitch a full season. <laughs> I'm so glad that, I punched all those is, discs across the course. That is the, the second hottest take. Second hottest take of the day. Reese's was the first one. Okay, yeah. What would what would my uh, inspiring quote be to come back from injury? Remember how they had like live strong bracelets and stuff like that? What would I be? Yeah, you're like, oh, no. <laughs> I, I can do all things through Shinerbach, which strengthens me or something. I don't know. <laughs> that would be a long, that would be a big wristband. Repiece Reese. Yeah. Three putt Reese. Jeez, three putt Reese. <laughs>
and that is This Week in Craft Beer. That's right, I've made the executive decision without telling anybody on here that I think we should combine the news portion and the beer review portion as the This Week in Craft Beer, because they're both pertinent to This Week in Craft Beer. Armando, any thoughts? That's more important than program and podcast, so I will allow that change to happen, Reese. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I, I actually really didn't have the cojones to make an executive executive decision. It was more uh, floating the idea to you and sounding confident about doing it. In other random news, the, the importance of knowing what you're doing and acting like you know what you're doing is that homeless guy that dressed up as a USC football player and went to, went to the spring tryouts until they realized he was... You didn't hear about this? This was this year? This was this last, like, week. You're kidding. No, no, no. You have to tell the story, even if it's not beer. <laughs> well, and this, this, is just, this is just word of mouth. So apparently, like, some homeless 20-year-old dude dressed up as a USC football player and went to, like, spring practice until some people started catching on to, like, that wasn't the dude. And then security <laughs> escorted him. And th- this could be further hearsay, but, like... I was told this wasn't the first time he's pulled this off. Oh, my goodness. So that's pretty impressive. You know, that's amazing. Just guys, if anything, just have confidence in yourself. Just do it. <laughs> just do and it. if you've if you've been to uh, to uh, USC's campus and like where the practice field is, it's actually kind of hard to get into. I've been on the my my uh, dad went to USC, so I've been uh, to the campus so many times. And yeah, it's actually really it's a very exclusive because I went a lot when Pete Carroll was there. So I mean, it was really hard to get in. So kudos to homeless guy over there in LA. Yeah, out of boy. It's it's pretty bold. It's pretty bold. Now, speaking of bold, that has to do with my story of what's going on in craft beer this week. I found this one really interesting. As some of you may know, seltzers are one of the big things that are taking over the beer industry currently, or should I say the malt beverage industry. Ooh. And I am very proud to say that Boulevard is really a kick and tail with their quirks. If you have not gone out and tried quirks, try them now. There are seltzers and then there's quirks. But just as there are seltzers and there are quirks, there are now extreme sour warhead seltzers coming out from a craft brewery in Saratoga Springs, New York. Does that get you excited, Armando? Oh, yeah, because I'm going to be pretty close to Saratoga Saratoga Springs this summer. Exactly. Summer. So who's going to get his warhead gummy beer? Not me, because I actually don't like sour gummies and I don't like seltzers. You don't like warheads? (laughs) Hot take Mondo breaking news. Armando does not like sour things, intense sour things. So warheads, goodbye. Dude, warheads were like currency when I was in elementary school, man. We were like we, we role played Oz, and instead of cigarettes, I we had warheads. It. I hated sour, and honestly, growing up, I didn't. I, I I love desserts, right? Like we all like sugar and stuff, but but it didn't really appeal to me. And honestly, until I married my wife, my wife, she loves chocolate. She loves you know all these wonderful desserts. So that's kind of how I've gotten into desserts. But before that, I mean. Even just like a candy bar? Eh, fine. Whatever. Wow. Dude, that that's one of the things I really liked about Marshawn Lynch is like much like him, I've got a massive sweet tooth. You know, I'm I'm usually like pretty happy about how I eat. I'm like, yeah, I make sure I watch my four food groups and macros in the food pyramid and all that stuff. But I tell you what, man, you no, put dude, some candy. Keto. It's all about keto, baby. Oh, keto, excuse me. But is candy keto? Hopefully not, because dude, I it's will destroy. Not. 
Man, I was on the sofa watching a Batman the Animated Series last night with my wife, and I told her, I'm like, I don't want to go out for ice cream tonight. I don't want to have a beer. And then, like, two episodes in, I almost just, like, got up and walked the two blocks to Quick Trip to get a big old bag of Skittles. I mean, it was just, like, the biggest craving. I didn't know you had a sweet tooth, Reese. I've known you for so long. I don't think I've ever shared a dessert with you. <sighs> Dude, but part of why I like road trips is, like, it's an excuse to get just, like... An exorbitant amount of candy to put in my passenger side seat and just munch on it. That's so Ugh. funny. Wow. Breaking news on Found City Sports Media. Reese has a sweet tooth and Armando does not. Breaking news. Breaking bad. I like the blue raspberry rock candy. <laughs> <laughs> Get off oh my boy. plane. Same show, you can right? definitely keep that in. Yeah. Uh, that might be one of my all-time favorite shows, by the way. Fantastic. Well, Armando, all-time favorite shows. I don't know if you have an all-time favorite beer tonight, but there's only one way we're going to find out. Which beer will you be gracing us with this week to review? Uh, all right. So today I went to my favorite liquor store. By the way, it's called Coltrane uh, Wine and Spirits oh, in Colorado so cool. Springs. Great selection. Anyway, um, my uh, the guy that always hooks me up, I said, hey, man, looking for a chill lager for the weekend. What do you recommend? And he was like, we just got in the GABF Gold 2020 winner in for the Amber Lager. And I oh. said, I said, Oof, give it to me, baby. So today I am going to be reviewing Volksbier Vienna from Wibby Brewing here in Colorado. It's from Longmont, Colorado. And this is a Vienna lager, but also for the American style, it's an amber. So it just won gold for 2020 GABF. So I am very excited to try it. That's pretty sweet, man. I love those GABF beers when you get your hands on them. What's the ABV on that thing right now? Uh, it's, a, it's a chill lager. It is crushable. It is 5.5%. Oh, gosh, man. I love those lagers. Love them. All right. Well, first things first, crack her open and let me know what the aroma's like on that. Okay, right now I'm getting um, some really nice roasted coffee, actually. That smells really good. You get some of the malt. You get some caramel as well, um, Not, but not too sweet. Um, I guess the non-sweet qualities of caramel you get do you say caramel or caramel by the way um car car i think i say caramel when i'm at starbucks i'm like i need extra caramel drizzle on this i think i say caramel <laughs> when i'm like deciding what to have after supper you do say supper ah absolutely the supper man so anyway uh, um yeah it smells great i think there's a lot of nice um sweet tones but they're subtle it's not too sweet like like a uh, slushy sour or anything like that. So, yeah, it's great. Um, how about an 8.1? 8.1, off to a strong start. Number two, what is the appearance of that beer? And I see you are drinking that out of the proper glass. So, many, oh, yeah. many kudos to you. Oh, yeah, this is a very nice glass. It's actually my Weldworks glass that we use um, when I was working there. So, yeah, it's cool. Uh, this is a, uh, it's a, it's a really good color for the style. It's, it's dark. It's not too light, even though it's a lager. Um, hopefully it's still pretty clean, uh, on the taste, but yeah, I'm getting a nice, you know, on the top, it's this nice like wine color almost. And then on the bottom, uh, very translucent brown, uh, brown caramel color. Yeah, it looks wonderful. Uh, very good for the style. How about just a solid nine? Oh, wow. Just keeps getting and better. Also, the uh, the head retention's great, too. Look, it's still on there. It looks pretty good to me. Wow. Just keeps getting better and better with that nine. 
All right, number three then. Flavor, tell me what is the taste of this thing that warranted the double blind W at GABF? <laughs> nice, that's great. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, a very a very mild taste. It's not incredibly crispy, um, but you do get some of that crisp. Um, pretty malty, pretty malty, which I like. I like that maltiness, and then you get that amber flavor as well, if you can categorize that, that like amber malt, I guess is what I want to say. Not so much of the coffee that I smelled, um, but um, if I had to put a percentage, I mean, I'm getting a lot of that malty flavor over over any of like the notes that I got on the nose, uh, which is pretty cool. I like it. Yeah. Um, Honestly, not my favorite though. Not, um, if you guys recall, I did a review of the Santa Fe brewing one. Um, I think it was the brown ale that had won gold and maybe I'm comparing it to that cause that was out of this world. This one, not so much out of this world. So how about a 7.6? Oh, wowzer. Jeepers it's, creepers. It's, it, it's good. It's good. But if you are a gold medal winner, right, I, I have to compare it to that brown ale that I had. I know it's a different category, but similar in style. And that was just a lot more crushable. I got you. You're playing best in show right now. You're like the lead of the terrier group oh, yeah. isn't quite the same as the uh, the hunting group. Bingo. That's exactly what I'm going for. <laughs> All right. <laughs> then uh, that sure was a mouthful. So why don't you tell us about the mouth feel? <laughs> the dad jokes continue. <laughs> so even though this guy is not as crushable, not as light as the other brown ale that I had, that I had uh, reviewed that also won gold. This one has more body to it, which is nice. It's nice because you get that full body of the malt. It's a heavier malt, right? It's not a Pilsner malt that's going to be a little crispier. This one has a lot more body to it. You get more of the coffee on the mouthfeel, which I kind of like. Um, so this is going to be a better rating for me because it does sit a little better in the mouth, which for me is kind of unusual. Usually flavor is the like, I love the flavor. I love to get all those notes. But this one, the mouth, mouth feels it's it's heavy, but it's also um, kind of light uh, because it's it, it does kind of taste like a clean beer, which is great. So how about an 8.4? Okay, we're rebounding now. 8.4 is good. Uh, then number five, aftertaste. Does the flavor coming back up change your opinion of the flavor going back down? Before I review that, actually, this one actually took silver in the amber category in Frankfurt in 2018. Really? <laughs> so, maybe, so maybe I should be doing a lot more, but uh, yeah, I, that's what I taste. I'm sorry. But yeah, this is a very highly rated beer. If you if you find it at your now famous liquor store, Reese, you got you to gotta find it. Yeah, I will definitely check that out. Uh, fun fact, while we're talking about awards and such, while you decide the aftertaste on this, I want you to think, what do you think Boulevard's most awarded beer is? Oh, I love that. Well, it's not going to be it's not going to be something common. So I'm, it's not going to be Tank 7. It's not going to be Unfiltered Wheat. It's not going to be Space Camper. It is going to be Saison Brett. Ah, uh, you're in the right vicinity, but not quite. It's actually Zone, the Belgian wit beer. Really? <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, uh, honestly, that is definitely the most crushable beer that I've had at Boulevard. I mean, of course, you have unfiltered wheat, but like if you want a substant um, crushable beer, that one is one of my favorites. So, all right. Absolutely. So, aftertaste on this gold and silver winning piece of work you know i'm almost getting like um 
like a, a smoky aftertaste. And when I say smoky, like um, tobacco almost, um, which is kind of cool. I like that. It's tobacco mixed with the coffee. Um, and again, that could come from the malt, but it, it definitely is much darker and less sweet on the back end than it is the front end, um, which to me is pretty nuanced. So I like that. Uh, maybe there's a reason this did get gold, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. And this is this is strange for me. I usually go like highest rating taste all the way down because I'm like, eh, aftertaste, whatever. But now I'm starting to get all these different flavors, which I really like. Uh, 9.3 for wow. aftertaste. Is this the first time we've had a beer that the aftertaste has just completely trounced the flavor category? For me, yes, because I'm always like, if I remember, like a lot of the beers that I review, I seek out these beers. I'm like, ooh, like, for example, Pipeworks. I saw Pipeworks. Like, I got to try Pipeworks because I know all those beers are super juicy. They're tasty. Right. Um, But a Vienna lager isn't really something that I seek out. I don't seek. I usually seek out the hazies. I seek out pilsners. Um, so this is new for me. It's pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, then that kind of leads into the very last question. And then the big stonks drinkability quotient or BDQ. <laughs> what do you think about this beer? Um, I'll preface it and this is going to help its rating. I think the can art's really cool. So like I said, it's called Fox beer. Um, and for those of you that aren't German, it, it's, it's like Volt, Volkswagen, right? A V O L K S. And it even has a fake Volkswagen, um, symbol right here. And then it has the Volkswagen right here. Um, on the can art, it's this really nice, like Arizona color blend of turquoise, yellow, and you got the mountains that are brown. It's a really, it's really cool can art, right? It's not anything crazy like Abomination Brewing, but it's just, it's just solid. So that's gonna help for for our uh, drinkability quotient, um, because like I said, you know, the Vienna Lager is not my favorite style, but it's crushable. It's good. I, I would have three of these watching the Royals. I mean, this wonderful. It, it is a good tasting beer and pretty cool that it tastes better coming down than it does on the initial flavor. Uh, 8.7 for drinkability. That sounds like a fair BDQ quotient for the uh, for the beer in hand. I think it's really cool that it's got a classy can design, but a classic style on the inside. So, Armando, thank you for reviewing that beer, and uh, I can't wait to talk more baseball and drink some more beer with you. Oh, heck yeah, dude. Heck yeah. about the batters we've talked about the pitchers because i guess that's half of baseball technically but let's talk about the third half of baseball everyone's favorite improper fraction (laughs) the bullpen now as you may know we have a lot of promise in this bullpen and this was arguably supposed to be our most stable and potentially best part of the team going into the season and i think that the uh the stories of their demise have been greatly exaggerated the sky is not falling chicken little however i think it's fair to say we've got a few eyebrows raising this at this point in the season that we weren't expecting to see at least this early on so subsequently i have divided our three tiers of the bullpen you know some people are like the good the bad and the ugly okay well we don't have any bad uh in the words of little john i think we have three different categories here for our bullpen we have yeah 
Okay, and what? So, since we're blasting it back to 2004 with those three categories, let's start with category number one. Yeah. As in, yeah, these guys are doing fantastic. And we have three people, in my opinion, that are fitting this bill. First and foremost is former ace prospect Kyle Zimmer. Looking at his stats, he's pitching six games, seven innings, one hit, zero ERA. I mean, it doesn't get much more lights out than that at this point. Uh, coming in right behind him, Josh Stomont, Stomont, Stofers. Josh Stomont, three games, 3.2 innings pitched, zero hits, also zero ERA. And last but not least, he's my new best friend's Jake Brents. He's got four games, three innings pitched, one hit, zero ERA. That's the guy we like to say we were calling early on in the season. You might as well call us AT&T because we had that thing on lock. Wait, did we did we really call the the brilliance of Jake Brents? Yes, we called. No, check the receipts. I called Jake Brents and I called that one other dude who was kind. I can't even remember his name now. You know, I'm going into my notes. I'm going into my notes. <laughs> Here's the thing. Jake Brents is in the Nikki Lopez category of, oh, okay. Well, He's okay, less Reese, of a yeah Reese, and if, more if, of a, oh, okay. If, if Reese predicted Jake Brents, then yes, Reese is, is the oracle of, of 37th Street or the one next to Kyle's because that is a very hot take. Ladies and gentlemen, remember the name Jake Brents because yes, he is he is a standout this year. He's one of the most impressive people that we have seen on this team, like Reese said. Uh, five games or seven complete innings with no runs. That's that's so impressive. And also, also Zimmer. Like I didn't think Kyle Zimmer was was actually going to make the team. I didn't like. I, I was thinking Love Lady was going to make the team because we needed a left-handed pitcher. But Kyle Zimmer comes out of nowhere, and Kyle Zimmer also hasn't allowed a, a run. I mean, it, it's absolutely amazing. And then Stomont, obviously, just given the fire from last year. Uh, Reese, while you check that stat, I actually want to throw Scott Barlow back in there because, yes, he had one bad game, but Scott Barlow still looks really good to me. So I'm okay putting him in this elite category, perhaps. No, 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 no. See, next up, we have the okay category, which I think they're kind <laughs> which, of... Which I don't want to put him in there. No, I well, guess what? I wrote this up, and I'm saying Scott Barlow was in the okay category. <laughs> Fine. He's first up in the okay category. Scott Barlow, five games, 6.1 innings pitch, six hits, three ER, three earned runs, 4.26 ERA. I put him there because, to be honest, I expected him to be more along the lines of Kyle Zimmer, not necessarily shutting everybody out, but being a potential setup guy, where I'm like, I expect this guy to come in for an inning, maybe throw a walk or two, but get a lot of clean sheets this early on. I did not expect him to have a bad game this early on subsequently he's just doing okay in my mind second up wade davis good old closer wade bot from 2015 he's got four games 3.2 and he's pitched two hits one earned run 2.45 era now davis is obviously going to be a long game wait and see here you know he's had some surgeries he's getting up there in age so i want to see how much tread is left on the tire by the end of the year Armando, obviously you don't agree with Barlow there. <laughs> Kyle, what do you think about the okay category? 
I would say that uh, if I'm on Duffy Island, Armando is Barlow Island for sure. Oh, totally. Oh, I love loves Barlow. Scott Barlow. I love Scott Barlow. Also, Reese, you definitely spelled it as Scoot Barlow Scoot on the uh, Barlow. Uh, <laughs> on the timeline, which does make him sound like the the proprietor of an old timey gas station. It's like a high school like football quarterback or football coach, like yeah. head coach. Can we, hey, Scoot. Yeah. Can we please trademark Scoot Barlow gas stations? <laughs> like. Scoot Barlow might bring a six-pack to every high school football game he coaches, but he will be there at 7 a.m. to take you to the airport. No questions asked. Oh, friend of the podcast, Scoot Barlow. All right, Scoot Barlow. Scoot Barlow's probably been to jail a few times, but he has your back. So this is going to leave us with category three. What? Wait, wait. Before we do that, just a quick... A quick thing, Reese. We did not expect this from Wade Davis. Wade Davis is playing better than I expected. If he plays this way the entire season, I am happy with it. Give me one inning a game. Fine. Fine. That is that is a yeah, yeah. That that's not okay, Wade Davis. This is this is 2021. This isn't old Wade Davis. Oh, well, it is old Wade Davis, but like not not Wade Davis of old. You know, this is great. This is wonderful. Armando, is your name Joaquin Phoenix? Because you're the emperor from Gladiator. Not everything is up or down. Oh, um, that went through my that went over my head, too. Sorry. Well, uh, I'm just going to point this out. Since we are doing live stuff right now and the Angels game is going on, Wade Davis' ERA is back up to 4.15. So oh, whatever. Anyway, not important. Uh, last but not least, the what category. Uh, we have old friend Greg Holland sitting in there. Three games, three innings pitched, four hits, two earned runs, five walks, six ERA. Carlos Hernandez, 3.1 innings pitched, six hits, four earned runs, five walks, 10.8 ERA. Jesse Hahn, five games, 3.1 innings pitched, five hits, five earned runs, four walks, 13.5 ERA. Now, before I dig into Jesse Hahn too much, uh, we should point out he just got put on the 10-day injured list. He has a shoulder impingement syndrome. MRIs are clean. There's no damage, but there is shoulder impingement syndrome. So, what I'm seeing here is in that what category, we got a lot of guys that are having a hard time finding the strike zone. We got a cumulative 14 walks and uh, a very thick ERA there. But guys, here are my questions for you on the bullpen. Nobody seems to have a designated role yet. This bullpen seems to be a little bit of everywhere. What are your general thoughts on this bullpen? First of all, Jesse, a legend has it, Jesse Hahn got his uh, shoulder impinged backing up Scoot Barlow in a bar fight. You heard it here first. <laughs> Second of all... Wait, is, is that canon? What? Yeah, it's canon. How how do I have the, uh, the uh, dad jokes when you're rolling in there with that one? I just call him how I see him. Second of all, I mean, y- you guys are going to be totally unsurprised that I love the fact that Matheny has just decided that roles are fake and he's just going to plug and play anyway, uh, anyone anywhere. I'm in like, you know, the next generation of people like playing music for singers. So yeah, fuck is fake. Let's go. So I love that uh, that we're just like letting guys pitch whenever if he thinks they're hot. That's cool. And I think these roles will develop. And also that's that's the appropriate approach for a team that's like flirting with the fringes of contention. 
Um, if we were really trying to make a run at the wild card spot, we might want to have a lockdown setup guy. We might want to have a lockdown closer. We might want to have a more strict four or five man rotation with a team that's kind of just going to be at the fringes. A six man rotation is totally fine. Um, the fact that, uh, you know, a couple of our pitchers may be having rough starts. I think that's probably okay. We can just plug and play and see what works. Armando, I'm going to let you jump in in just a second. I see you waiting anxiously, but that's a really good point about uh, not being super rigid and set with where you have these guys pitching. Because if you remember, what was our ultimate downfall in 2016 was the fact that Ned Yost refused to take Joaquin Soria out of that setup position, and that just killed us. Armando. I'm actually going to disagree with both of you because I'm starting to see some trends as to what could formulate for the rest of the season. I mean, Barlow's pitched six innings already, and I think at the end of a game, we're talking seven, eight, nine, possibly six. We haven't uh, against an elite team, or if we ever make the, if we do make the wild card, you're, I would bet money, hot take Mondo, you're going to see Stomont in the seventh you're going to see if davis plays the way he is right now you're going to see davis in the eighth and then you're going to see barlow to close it in the ninth now depending on what the starting rotation is uh, if if zimmer holds up like this is going to be incredible because we're going to see a lot of zimmer we, we we've already seen seven innings of zimmer that's that's nuts but I am panicking right now on greg holland we're supposed to see holland in that mix and uh, this does not look good. Four innings pitch, 450 ERA. My panic meter is maybe at a seven just because he hasn't looked good and there is no signs of injury. But man, having Barlow, Stomont, Davis, Jake Brents, man, if you can stay in there, this is a good bullpen, guys. I, I, I like it. I agree. I think there's a good chance we're not going to be relying on Holland and Davis in the way we thought we might have at the beginning of the season. I mean, you said you still like Davis. I still like Davis, but like I said, it's going to be a marathon and not a sprint in regards to how well he and particularly Holland hold up. I think it's really frustrating for me because we've seen flashes of, you know, even the Greg Holland from last year where he doesn't look elite anymore, but he looks like a very serviceable, go in there, get me three outs kind of guy. And he reminds me of the kid who has like the hard time finishing his dinner. It's just like, oh my gosh, he's going to kill this plate of food. Good job. But there's always some left over. It's just like it's, it's never quite finished. And that's what's very frustrating with watching Holland right now. So now all these things being said, we've talked batting, we've talked pitching, we've talked the bullpen. All things considered, what is the more important thing to this team staying in wild card contention throughout the end of the year? Are we going to say the batting getting consistent, the pitching finding that happy medium, or the bullpen tightening up the screws and identifying the roles? Well, first of all, going to the middle of, of that category, the pitching, if Singer and Keller are playing the way they are, then you can kiss this season goodbye and you can kiss 2022 goodbye as well. I mean, those are the guys that need to be our aces. Like Jacob Junis isn't going to come out of nowhere and be our, our ace in, in 2022. So, so that's first off. That has to happen. Now let's assume it's going to happen, right? We don't want to be prisoners of the moment Let, let's assume they're gonna they're gonna go back to where they normally are it has to be the batting because that is what was our Achilles heel last year right we have great defense we had pretty good pitching but it has to be the hitting these guys that we paid so much money for Carlos Santana Andrew Benintendi 
right? Those have to be our marquee guys, not Michael A. Taylor, not Kyle Isbell, not Nicky Lopez. It's great that they're playing the way that they are, but the guys that we paid money have to show up. So that is what is most important to me. I'm not worried about the bullpen. I think I think we're going to be okay. I'm just going to go ahead and say I'll agree with Armando that like we've been consistent about the offense is important. Uh, that has the potential to be our Achilles heel. Consistency in pitching, we're always going to chase. But I'm going to come back to it. We don't have a Dodgers in our division. We have a division that's going to be competitive with itself the entire season. So I come back to it where win our series at home, always steal one on the road, and prioritize the games against our in division opponents. Well, I like both your guys' takes on that. I like Kyle's idea that this is not a murderer's road division with some sort of boogeyman on there, and I think it's just a matter of cheapers. Like we said at the beginning of the season in our preseason talk, if the team can just all kind of play up and stay up around their potential, we have a very good shot at competing for not just the wild card, but for the division this year. Oh, wow. Wow. I think that the White Sox, even though we split them, which is great and a big accomplishment, I think White Sox probably have it, but I think we're walk. I think we're knocking on Minnesota's door and we're already at Cleveland's door from what we've seen. So it's an exciting season, man. Baseball's emotional. I'm, I'm having heart palpitations and it's, it's only eight games in man. Jeez. Well, speaking of knocking on the door, just a reminder, we are knocking on the door of a very exciting interview coming up this week with Jordan Williams Brewer at Free State Brewing. Uh, We're going to be in here talking about some Free State beers, talking about the history of Free State, and talking about Jordan's experience in the brewing industry. Armando, do you have any Free State memories you want to talk about to get people psyched up? You know, one of the first IPAs that I really enjoyed, and this is after my undergrad years, because in undergrad, you know, not really doing IPAs. Then I moved to Kansas City, and one of the first IPAs I had that I was like, you know, I think I might like craft beer was Yakimaniac. Yakimaniac is an amazing beer, and it really, for me personally, was a gateway into the craft beer. So I actually do have a lot of sentimentality with Free State. So I am, I'm very excited to have him on. This is wonderful for us. Free State simultaneously is and isn't one of Lawrence's best kept secrets, if we're going to be honest. It's very high quality craft beer, and I can't wait to have the opportunity to talk about it with someone from the source. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content, including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friends Kyle and Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. 